Welcome to the Comic Web Superman Old Time Radio Podcast, where each week we bring you an exciting radio episode from the early years of the Man of Steel. The Comic Web sells old time radio programs and comic books. Comic Web also offers two other podcasts. One is a variety of old time radio programs, and the other is a video podcast of old movie serial cliffhangers. You can find them on our website, comicweb.com, or just type Comic Web into iTunes and you should find them. Now just sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Superman. Thank you. This storyline for Superman is entitled The Tin Men. Our episodes on this storyline are somewhat chaotic. We're not sure if we have all the episodes, and we're not sure if they're in the correct order. Instead of airing just one episode at a time, we've put all the episodes we have, in what we think is the correct order, into this one podcast. It's a total of eight episodes, and the entire thing is about two hours long. Faster than a speeding bullet! More powerful than a locomotive! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend the steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. But before we join Superman, here is an important message. Hey, gang, here's a story for you that's so thrilling, I'll bet you'll be telling all your friends about it. It's about one of the adventures of one of the smallest Marines in the surface. They call him Half-Pint in the Marines. You see, Half-Pint is only 5 feet 7 inches tall, and he weighs about 150 pounds. But, fellas, it isn't size that counts in this man's army, it's strength. This Half-Pint was strong as a bearcat, and in A-1 condition. One rainy day in the jungles of Guadalcanal, he volunteered for patrol duty to catch some jets, and they put him in charge of the group. It was raining cats and dogs that morning. Okay, fellas, you checked your equipment? All right, now, listen. Three Japs are reported within sniping range. We've got to go and get them. Come on, let's go. Hey, hey, look over here. Footprints, plenty up. Looks like about eight Japs. Expect in that village over there. Quiet, they'll hear us. Now, let's amble around the village and find out where those Japs are and let them have it. Come on, gang. We've got to crawl through the bush. They're, they're in that hut over there. Listen. Everybody set? Let's go! And the Marines did it again. Half Pint and his patrol wiped out that Jap nest. Which just goes to show, fellas, that you don't have to be big to be tough. And that brings up a point I want to make. You can't expect to be sturdy and strong unless you eat right. Which includes getting all your vitamins. And today, hundreds of fellas and girls are starting to get two very important vitamins, D1 and D, by sitting down to a swell big bowl of delicious Kellogg's Pep for breakfast. Have you tasted those crunchy, nut-sweet flakes yet? Well, believe me, you'll certainly go for the real hearty flavor of crisp, delicious Pep. So ask your mother to get you a package of swell-tasting Kellogg's Pep tomorrow and make Kellogg's Pep your special breakfast cereal. And now, the adventures of Superman. As you remember, Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and editor Perry White went out to the Metropolis aircraft plant to witness the test of an amazing robot pilot, a mechanical man designed by Dr. Livright. They found the mechanical man to be almost human, equipped with eyes, ears, and even a brain. Responding to the orders of Dr. Livright, 
the mechanical man took off alone in a single-seat open cockpit plane and disappeared into the sky. Twenty minutes later, the plane came down with a screaming dive and crashed on the field. When the wreckage was examined, the cockpit was found to be empty. The tin man had vanished. Later, while an investigation of the mysterious occurrence was being conducted, Lois accepted an invitation to view the aircraft plant with Professor Jorgerson, a scientist employed there. As our last episode ended, Professor Jorgerson was showing Lois the huge wind tunnel in which new plane models are tested when... But wait. Listen. Professor Jorgensen and Miss, um, what's her name, a reporter girl. That's right. I thought I saw them go in there 10 or 15 minutes ago. Maybe you did. I think I'd better go over and have a look. Nobody's supposed to be fooling around in there without permission, you know. Not even Professor Jorgensen's supposed to turn that fan on. It's too dangerous. Hey, excuse me. That's quite all right. I'm glad you left. Something tells me this may be a job for Superman. Out of these clothes. Yeah, so, and out through this door. Now, up. Up and away! Here's the door to the wind tunnel. I'd better go in. Great Scott. Lois and Professor Jorgensen inside the tunnel hanging on for their lives. Hold on! Hold on, I'm coming! Better get up into the tunnel first. Oh, the Terrific. Hold on, Lightning. For heaven's sake, don't let go. How can you? 
Got to hold back with all my might against this terrible suction. Uh, Wait a minute. There, Miss Lane, I've got you. Oh, thank you. Oh, oh she's fainted. Got here just in time. Now you, Professor. Oh, it doesn't matter. I think I'm finished. Oh, wait a minute. I got you. There. Oh, oh, oh. There. Lois, it's out cold. Well, better leave her that way. But the professor. It's been a great strain for a man his age. He's in pretty bad shape. Hey! Hey, you! Stay where you are! Uh-oh. What's going on there? My machinist friend. I'd better be on my way. I'll just leave these two here. He'll see that Jorgerson gets medical attention. Now, up! Up! And away! A short time later, after the excitement of Lois's narrow escape has died down, she is sitting in the office of Yates Peterson, president of the Metropolis Aircraft Plant, discussing the incident with Peterson and Clark Kent. Listen. The most surprising thing I've ever heard of, you're being saved like that by Superman. I never really believed Superman existed until today. But then some, some very strange things have been happening around here. I'm still trying to figure out where that tin man disappeared to. I don't think you'll ever find the answer to that, Mr. Peterson. I'm afraid you're right, Miss Lane. To that about Professor Jorgerson, he's a nice old man and a brilliant scientist, I understand. Yes, I'd give a good deal to know who turned on that fan by accident. That was no accident, Mr. Peterson. What do you mean? Well, I don't see how you can believe it was after what Miss Lane has told us. You mean about the plane that almost ran her and Jorgerson down? That and the incident in the wind tunnel. We tried to find the man who was piloting that plane, and I understand he's left the premises. Matter of fact, he turns out to have been a pretty shady character. That's true. He wasn't living where he said he was, and no one knew him at that address. Still, And that wind tunnel business. Whoever turned on that fan turned it on deliberately. I'm sure of that. But why? Well, I'm not sure myself, but I've got a hunch it's got something to do with Dr. Liverite's tin man. Oh, Mr. Kent, you can't be serious. Well, I certainly am. But that sounds ridiculous. Well, oh, uh, excuse me. Sorry. Hello? Yes, this is Peterson. Oh, yes, yes, doctor. What's that? Why, that's simply wonderful. How in the world did you do it? And so quickly. Why, that's wonderful. Well, how, how soon do you think you can have it finished? I see. Excellent, Doctor, excellent. We'll arrange for the trial late tomorrow afternoon. Fine, fine. Yes, right. Goodbye. That was Dr. Liverite. He tells me that, that by rare good fortune, he's remembered almost the entire formula for the tin man's brain. Say, that is quick work. Is he uh, putting the brain together now? Yes, he says he's going to get to work on it at once and promises to have it ready by tomorrow afternoon. Mm-hmm. His staff are also working on the metal body. And we should be ready for another test late in the afternoon, tomorrow. Isn't that kind of fast? Why, no, certainly not. We're anxious to prove or disprove the mechanical man's usefulness as quickly as possible, that's all. Oh, wait, excuse me. I'll be back in a minute. Some arrangements I must make for the test tomorrow. All right. What's the matter, Clark? You look a little suspicious. Well, I am suspicious, though. I don't really know why. You know, I don't like half the things that are going on around here, Lois. Take this latest development, for instance. You mean Dr. Liverite remembering almost the entire formula for the mechanical brain? Yes. Now, that just doesn't make sense to me. I know. That occurred to me, too. But it's perfectly possible that a man who has invented something should remember what it was he invented. Well, yes, but what's the hurry about testing the thing? Peterson plans to test the second tin man tomorrow afternoon. Why so quickly? You know, scientists are usually very careful men who test everything carefully before giving it the supreme test. But now here these two are going to test... Ah, well, that's taken care of. 
Uh, by the way, you two will come out tomorrow afternoon for the test? Oh, I'd certainly like to be there. Yeah, so would I. Well, what is it, one? Is that a clock? Oh, nothing, nothing at all. Well, fine. Uh, show up here tomorrow about uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And if Dr. Liveride is successful in completing his second Tin Man, we'll have another test. Uh, it'll make quite a scoop for the Daily Planet. Yes, it will indeed. Well, many thanks, Mr. Peterson. Come on, Lois. Right with you. Come on now, Clark. What are you holding back for? Oh, I just feel like walking slowly. Yes, of course he wants to walk slowly. For his keen ears are listening to what is going on in Peterson's office. He has heard Peterson pick up the telephone and ask for Dr. Livright. Come on, Clark, for heaven's sake. Uh, Wait a minute, Lois, while I tie my shoestring. Kneeling down, pretending to tighten his shoelace, Kent listens. Hello, Liveright. This is Peterson. Listen, that reporter Kent and the girl, Lois Lane, are getting suspicious. What do you think we ought to do? No, 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 I'm not getting nervous, but... Uh, All right. Okay, just what you say. But if they get any nosier, we'll have to do something about them and do it quick. Right. I'll see you later. Goodbye. Clark, haven't you finished tying that shoelace yet? Yes. Just finished, Lois. Let's go. Well, this is a strange turn of events that begins to shed light on the mystery of the Tin Man. In just a moment, we'll return to the adventures of Superman. But right now, here is another important message. Say, gang, isn't it a fact that when you get something extra good to eat at breakfast, it kind of gives you a lift for the rest of the day? I know, it sure does for me. And that's why I want to tell you all about that super delicious cereal, Kellogg's Pep. Because those crisp, golden flakes taste the doggone good that you just can't afford to pass them up. Yes, sir, there's nothing like a big bowl full of crisp, delicious Kellogg's Pep when it comes to downright good eating. What's more, Kellogg's Pep is good for you as well as good to eat. So start right now making delicious Kellogg's Pep part of your regular breakfast, huh? Ask your mother to get you a package of Kellogg's Pep when she's at the store tomorrow. And join the Pep Parade right away. Remember, Pep, get in step. Make your cereal Kellogg's Pep. Now, back to Superman. Unknown to Lois, Superman, in his guise of Clark Kent, has overheard a most revealing conversation between Yates Peterson, president of Metropolis Aircraft, and Dr. Livright, inventor of the Tin Man. What are these two men up to? Can they have had something to do with the disappearance of the first Tin Man and with what happened to Lois and Professor Jorgerson? Superman is determined to get at the bottom of this mystery, so don't miss tomorrow's exciting episode. And listen every day, Monday through Friday... Same time, same station. Tune in and follow The Adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Follow The Adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday. Same time, same station. Superman is directed by George Lothar and is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. This is Mutual. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. 
Superman, strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. But before we join Superman, here is an important message. Say, fellas and girls, ever try one of those quiz games on your gang? My pal Jerry Link and I started one the other day with his best friend, and we sure had a busy time of it. Okay, Tommy, it's your turn. What's a catafighter? Ah, no, no, no fair telling him. Now, come on, Tommy, what's a catafighter? Give up? Yeah, I give up. All right, Jerry, you tell him. Oh, that's easy. A catafighter is one of those little planes a merchant ship carries. They launch it by catapult. Only you can't get a catafighter back aboard because those ships don't carry hoisting equipment. It stays right in the sea and the crew gets picked up by boat. Good for you, Mr. King. Oh, now, here's yours. What country invented dive bombers? Oh, that's easy. Germany. No, no, you're wrong. Gee, are you dumb? The United States Navy invented dive bombing. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, Jerry, if you're so smart, see if you can answer this one. What is a vitamin? Hmm? A vitamin. A vitamin. (laughs) Well, uh, a vitamin is a... Well, it's a... Oh, gosh. (laughs) Well, gang, I can tell you right now, very few people actually know just exactly what a vitamin is. But we do know what vitamins can do for us. You see, it's this way. None of you can expect to grow up really strong and husky unless you eat right. And eating right includes getting all your vitamins. And I can't think of a better way to start getting two mighty important vitamins, B1 and D than by tucking into a swell, big bowl full of delicious Kellogg's Pep for breakfast. Yes, sir, it's that easy. And gosh, anybody who's lucky enough to have had a taste of crisp, crunchy Pep knows what a super delicious cereal it really is. So how's about doing yourself a double favor, hey, gang? Just ask your mother to get you a package of delicious Kellogg's Pep tomorrow and start right now having a mighty swell-tasting breakfast that's mighty swell for you. Remember the name now, Pep, P-E-P. Pep is made by Kellogg's in Battle Creek, Michigan. And now, the adventures of Superman. As you know, Dr. Leander Cameron, eccentric scientist, believing there are possibilities in the mechanical man, has set about building one with the financial backing of the Daily Planet. Unknown to Dr. Cameron and his friends, Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and Editor Perry White, dark forces are already at work planning to seize the mechanical man when it's completed. As we resume our story, we find ourselves in a lavish penthouse apartment in a very fashionable part of Metropolis. In the apartment, we see a tall, thin man dressed in a jet-black dressing gown who is seated before an open fireplace. He has a hawk-like face with a sharp nose and small, beady eyes set deep in his head. At this moment, he is engaged in cleaning and polishing a beautiful pearl-handled revolver. An oak-paneled door opens somewhere in the room behind him. Yes, Jensen? The gentleman who called is here, sir. Excellent. Show him in. Very good, sir. Will you follow me, sir? Sure. You are James Mansfield Blood? That's right. And you are the vulture? Yes. Sit down, Mr. Blood. Thanks. Nice layout you got here, vulture. Thank you. I am fond of elegant surroundings. Yeah, so I see. Pretty flossy, I'd say. Well, everybody to his own taste. Now, look, before I hire you for this job I want done, 
I'd like to know if you can do like you say you can do. You mean procure the model of the mechanical man for you? Yeah, that's right. I have no doubt about that. I am not the head of my profession for nothing, Mr. Flood. There isn't anything I cannot accomplish. The vulture always finds a way. Well, that's what they tell me. You're kind of a jack-of-all-trades, ain't you? I prefer to think of myself as a master of all trades, Mr. Blood. You sound okay to me. I say okay. Probably the finest actor and disguise artist in the world. I have always considered myself as great an artist in the matter of escape, as Houdini and I never had the opportunity to match my ability against his. Well, I'm sure glad to have you working for me. You helping me, I can't miss. You helping me, I can't miss. In that, you are perfectly right, but let's get back to the mechanical man you want me to secure for you. Right. But it's sure for you. Right. But it's sure for you. Right. Just the model. There's a wacky old scientist named Dr. Leander Cameron who's working on it. This mechanical man is supposed to be able to see, talk, walk, and actually think. Sounds incredible. Are you sure? If what I've heard is true, yes. Dr. Cameron, they tell me, he never takes on a job unless he's sure he can do it. He promised editor Perry White of the Daily Planet that he would invent this mechanical wonder. And I'm sure he will. Interesting. A mechanical man who can walk, talk, see, and think. Positively intriguing. To say nothing of its value in hard coin of the realm. Untold millions could be made out of such an invention. There isn't a government in the world who wouldn't pay plenty to possess the plans of such a device. By George, we could sell it to the highest bidder. We? <laughs> you mean I could? Remember about you. You're working for me. Oh, yes. I am working for you. I had forgotten for the moment. Uh, where is Dr. Cameron's laboratory located? All the dope is on this sheet of paper. I wrote it out for you so you wouldn't forget. Excellent. I shall begin at once to make inquiries as to the progress of the mechanical man. Within a short time after it is completed, it will be in my hands, never fear. Great. Then you can turn it over to me and collect your dough for doing the job. I'm afraid we're going to have a little difficulty about that, Mr. Blood. What do you mean? I've done very well at my business, Mr. Blood, as you can see. I haven't reached this position of comfort and financial security by working for others. I work for myself, Mr. Blood, and I work alone. Now, just a minute, Vulture. You've been very helpful in putting me onto this excellent opportunity. I'm grateful to you. However... Business is business, and so... That revolver. Why are you pointing at me? Wait. No. You rang, sir? Yes, Judson. The gentleman seems to have overstayed his welcome. Take him away. And so enters our story, The Vulture, a villain destined to play an important role in the lives of our friends, especially in the life of Superman. Our scene now changes to the laboratory of Dr. Leander Cameron. Dr. Cameron is seated before a workbench on which stands a foot-high replica of the mechanical man. With several long instruments that look like needles, he is fitting something into the head of the mechanism. Nicodemus, Dr. Cameron's helper, stands by. Listen. Uh, uh, Nicodemus, hand me that tiny screw. Ask for a polite you don't get it. Nicodemus, I cannot hold this piece of mechanism in place without that screw. Hand it to me. Not until you ask like I was a human being and not a slave. Very well, very well. Will you please hand me that screw, Nicodemus? Happy to, Doctor. Here you are. Thank you, Nicodemus. Thank you. You're welcome, Doctor. 
Hey, how's the mechanical man coming? You think you'll be able to perfect it? I should know in a few moments. I've only to put this part in place, and the mechanical man, that is this model on the table before me, will be ready to perform. If it does as I expect it to do, I shall have been successful. The long screwdriver handed to me, Nicodemus. Please. Please. There's the signal now. I'll go to the door. Ask who's there first. I'm expecting Clark Kent to watch my demonstration, but be sure before you admit him. Okay. Yeah, who's there? Clark Kent, Nicodemus. It's Kent, all right, Doc. I'll open up. Oh, Nicodemus. Hello, Mr. Kent. Cameron? Uh, you're a half hour early. I didn't expect you before 3.30. Oh, well, I had nothing particular to do this afternoon, Doctor. Thought I'd drop over earlier. Well, Kent, as it happens, you're just in time. There. That completes it. You mean your mechanical man is ready to be tested, Doctor? Yes, that is. The model is ready for testing. Uh, Nicodemus, bring me the control mechanism. If you please. Yeah, good thing you ever Ah, oh, Kent, I'm terribly excited, terribly excited. This little mechanical man standing on my workbench may be the forerunner of thousands like him. Mechanical men who can fly our planes, drive our tanks, march into battle against the enemy, an indestructible force against which Hitler and his satellites will be helpless. Uh, yes, 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 indeed, Doctor. You're quite right. Exactly, exactly. Here's the control box. Ah, thank you, Nicodemus, thank you. Now, then, I will just plug it in here. So, and now, gentlemen, we are ready. As soon as the eyes of the mechanical man begin to shine, I shall give it certain commands. If it obeys them... Duck, they're shining now. Certainly look eerie. Two green lights shining in that square metal head. We are ready for the experiment. Now, my little man, I command you, walk toward me. It's walking. Coming straight toward you. Jesus. Stop. I command you, stop. Doctor, that's terrific. Congratulations, Doc. You've done it again. Ah, oh, gentlemen, let's not be premature. No, indeed, never be premature. Let us see now if the little man will talk. Repeat after me. I am a mechanical man. Great heavens, Doctor. That's astounding. A simple scientific achievement, actually, Kent. The reaction of sound waves on a mechanism similar to a talking machine. But, come, come, I'm anxious to see if the mechanism can think for itself. As you see, I have erected a difficult obstacle. I'll tell the mechanical man to walk to the other end of the table. Let us see if he has the brain power to overcome the obstacle. Little man, walk to that end of the table. Amazing. Simply amazing. Yes, by heavens, he's walking toward the obstacle. He's reached the obstacle and stopped. Now let us see what he does. Look, he's moving around it. He's turned to the side and moved right around it. There, he stopped. Brother, that's thing. Doc, you've really done it again. That mechanism can see, talk, walk, and think for itself. What you looking so funny about, Doc? A man of metal that can think for itself. I hope, gentlemen, we have not invented something we shall not be able to control. In the hands of the wrong people, this invention could do as much harm as good. We must guard it carefully, gentlemen, most carefully. Don't worry about that, Doc. Matter of fact, you can forget the mechanical man altogether. I'm taking over from here. What's that, Kent? Kent, that pearl-handled revolver in your hand. You're pointing it straight at me. Kent, what's the meaning of this? What's the big idea? For one thing, I want that model of the mechanical man. 
For another thing... I am not careful, Nicodemus. Captain Juniper, now that I really look at him, that man is not Clark Kent. No. No, I see that now myself. He's wearing a clever disguise. But if you're not Clark Kent, who are you? I, Dr. Cameron, am called the Vulture. Shocked into speechlessness, Dr. Cameron and Nicodemus can only stand and stare at the strange-looking individual who only a moment ago had appeared to be Clark Kent. In just a moment, we'll return to the adventures of Superman. But right now, here is another important message. Say, gang, how many of you are lucky enough to have a dog at your house? Well, I'll bet you take just about the finest care in the world of him, and you make sure he gets plenty of the right kind of husky. And you know, the same thing applies to every one of us, too. Well, you can't expect to be a really strong, sturdy fellow or girl unless you eat right, which includes getting all your vitamins. And say, when you start the day with a bowl full of super delicious Kellogg's Pep for breakfast, you're on the way to getting two mighty important vitamins, B1 and D. So don't waste any time treating yourself to one of the best doggone breakfast cereals you ever put a spoon to. Ask your mother to get you a package of delicious Kellogg's Pep tomorrow. And remember... Pep, pep, get in step. Make your cereal Kellogg Pep. And now, back to Superman. With a sinister evil grin on his face, the vulture snatches up the model of Dr. Cameron's perfected mechanical man. To what nefarious ends will the vulture turn Dr. Cameron's amazing invention? And will Superman be able to prevent the impending catastrophe? Well, be sure to be with us tomorrow and every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Tune in and follow The Adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Follow The Adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is directed by George Lothar and is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. This is Mutual. Superman, strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. But in the American way, but to join Superman, here is an important message. Hey, gang, here's an exciting story about some flyers who were marooned on an iceberg way up in the frosty reaches of the Arctic Circle. Their plane had been forced down, and they were... Gee, fellas, this time we're really in a tough spot. We've only got about enough food for three days. There's nobody flying this way for another week. Hey, Spark, you get that radio fixed yet? You get that radio fixed yet? I'm still trying it, sir. The commander is weak. Well, keep on trying. Maybe we can rig something up. We can rig something up. For five long icy days and nights, those flyers kept a constant watch for the silver gleam in the sky that might mean rescue. Finally, when the men were almost resigned to a frozen death... Hey, Lieutenant! I hear something! It's a plane! I know it's a plane! There we are! There we are! Gee, I guess Harry's got Arctic fever all right, poor guy. I don't hear anything. Why, say, it is a plane all right! He's dipping his wings! He's... 
seen it. She was safe, fellas. We're safe. Yes, after five days on an iceberg, those flyers were finally rescued and returned to their base. Now, it wasn't just luck that they came through such an experience as well as they did. No, sir. Because those flyers were in top-notch physical condition, they weathered those hardships successfully. And that brings you successfully. And that brings me to an important bit of information I have for all you fellas and girls. Have for all you fellas and girls. None of you can expect to grow up really husky and strong unless you eat right, which includes getting all your vitamins. So I want to tip you off to a mighty swell way to start getting two very important vitamins, B1 and D. It's by starting the day with a bowl full of crisp, crunchy Kellogg's Pep for breakfast. Ask your mother to get you a package of grand-tasting Kellogg's Pep tomorrow. And remember the name, Pep. P-E-P. Pep is made by Kellogg's in Battle Creek, Michigan. And now, the adventures of Superman. As you remember, Superman, in the guise of Clark Kent, has become involved in a new mystery having to do with Dr. Leander Cameron's invention of a mechanical man that can see, walk, talk, and even think for itself. We know, though our friends do not, that a new villain has entered upon the scene, a tall, strange-looking man known as the Vulture. In our last episode, we heard Dr. Cameron demonstrate a model of the mechanical man for Clark Kent. When the demonstration was over... Dr. Cameron was shocked to realize that... But wait. Let's listen in as he tells the story to editor Perry White in the latter's office at the Daily Planet. And I suddenly realized, Perry, that the man I thought was Clark Kent was another person altogether. Oh, impossible. A modern Jekyll and Hyde? <laughs> Ridiculous. Nicodemus was there. He saw the thing happen. Yeah, that's gospel, Mr. White. No, this is simply unbelievable. Leander... Couldn't you do anything to stop him from taking the model of the mechanical man away with him? No, Perry. You see, it all happened so quickly. We were just stunned. This man who called himself the Vulture held us at bay with a pearl-handled revolver. And then he picked up the model and control box and walked out. We came here directly. Perry, this is a horrible situation to be in. That model is the only one of its kind, and I couldn't possibly reproduce it. There are in it certain delicate parts that could only be procured in Germany before the war. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Leander. If these delicate parts can only be procured in Germany, how do you expect to make the life-size mechanical man? It would have been a simple matter to copy the parts from the model, but without the model, I'm helpless. You see? Yes, 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 of course, of course. Hello, Chief. Oh, I heard what happened and came as quickly as I could. How are you, Dr. Cameron? Nicodemus? Hiya. I'm wondering if you really are Clark Kent. We don't want to be fooled again. What? No, don't start changing your face or I'll jump right out of my skin. Oh, oh, yes, yes. From what I hear, a man who looked exactly like me and spoke exactly as I do came to watch your demonstration of the mechanical man. That's right. And after we demonstrated the mechanical man model, he held us up at the point of a gun and walked off with it. Oh, I'll be... Which reminds me, Kent, you never did show up. No, I had a mysterious phone call telling me to come to a certain address on the other end of town. Whoever it was promised me a big scoop. And when I got there, I found there was no such place. Hey, I'm beginning to see what this is all about. That voice on the phone must have been the vulture. He wanted to get you out of the way long enough to pull this little trick of his, huh? Yes, that's obvious now. Uh, It's a very frightening thing to contemplate. That model of the mechanical man being in the hands of a vicious, unscrupulous, and dangerous criminal who will sell it to the highest bidder. I do not need to remind you that the mechanical man can do anything from flying a plane to driving a tank. The Axis powers would give untold millions to get their hands on it. And I'm afraid they will, if the vulture has anything to do well, with it. Well, there's only one thing we can do, and that's to get in touch with the police at once. Uh, get me Inspector Henderson and police headquarters at once. Dr. Cameron, tell me more about this vulture. What did he look like? Well, he's tall and angular and very sinister looking. Uh-huh. And when I really got a good look at him, his face reminded me of a bird. A vulture. 
By heaven, it made my stomach turn over. Why, speaking. Oh, hello, Inspector Henderson. Say, Inspector, I'd rather not discuss this matter over the phone. I think I'd better come down and see you right away. Will you wait for me? Good. Be right there. Now, we'd all better go down to police headquarters and get some action on this at once. Ted, where are you going? Aren't you coming with us? Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, sure, Chief. I'm going to get my hat and coat. I'll be right with you. Get my hat and coat nothing. This calls for faster work than Clark Kent can accomplish. Into this vacant room here. Now, off with my street clothes. There we are. And now to do a job as Superman. Up with this window. And now to Dr. Cameron's laboratory. Up! Up! And away! Here's the door to Dr. Cameron's lab. Oh, locked. Well, no help for it. I'll have to break in. That does it. Now to have a good look around. The vulture dropped even the slightest clue. I've just got to find it. And so the stalwart figure in red and blue begins the search. Up and down the room with incredible swiftness he moves, searching minutely every single inch of the floor, the walls, the workbenches, everything. And at last, in the corner of the room, Superman's eye falls on a small object. Hello, what's this? A button, torn from an overcoat. wonder if this could be of any help. There's the maker's name on the back of the button, tiny gold print. Letterers Limited. The name of the shop where the overcoat was bought. Pretty ritzy shop. Well, that narrows the search down somewhat. Now to get the letterers for information on all customers who bought overcoats there in the last year. Out through that smashed door. Now, up! Up and away! As Superman heads toward the expensive clothing shop of Letterers Limited, the vulture himself is busy. He, too, has lost no time. And in his lavish penthouse apartment, a scene is taking place which may have a far-reaching effect on the American war effort. Listen. Mr. Kamura? Oh, you are the vulture? Yes. Sit down. These gentlemen with you, I take it, are trustworthy. Both gentlemen are honorable and trusted Japanese agents. Good. If you can offer me the price I want for the model of the mechanical man, you will pay cash on the line. That understood? It is understood. I have sought checks for $500,000. A check won't do. You may be honorable and trustworthy, but I want cash. You have no objection to selling this modern wonder to the Japanese government? I object to nothing that will bring me money. I have no feeling of patriotism. We have not even seen this mechanical man you speak of. It is here on this table. Come, I'll show it to you. Okay. Now, I'll just remove this cloth from it. There. Oh, sorry. You appreciate it, I see. A man made of metal and only a foot high? This is the murder. Yes. Ah, perform it for me. Certainly. Well, the mechanism is warming up. Let me remind you that this is no ordinary robot. This mechanical man can see, talk, walk, and actually think for himself. Amazing. I do not understand how. Nor do I. But no more complicated, perhaps, to a scientific mind than our own telephone dialing system. It is simple to the telephone company, most complicated to me. With this mechanical man, Japan will have no trouble winning the war. <laughs> what I would not give to see a legion of such mechanical men marching against American Marines in the South Pacific. <laughs> I don't care how you use it. All I ask is that you pay my price. Oh, now I see the eyes have lit up. Oh, how they look. As if the little man were alive. What? One might say that he is. But now, gentlemen, you shall see the most amazing thing of all. 
You shall see this model of the mechanical man in operation. Little tin man, I command you to walk. You see? He is walking across the table. No, he won't fall off. You see, a stopped of his own accord. Miraculous, perhaps. Science, after all, is a miracle in itself. This model of the mechanical man is nothing more than a scientific achievement of the highest caliber. All right, little tin man. Walk to a safe spot, then stop. Oh, very interesting. What else will I do? Uh, anything it is commanded to do. However, gentlemen, it is finished performing until I see the color of your money. Yes, let us discuss that. Uh, this check I have here is... We will not discuss that check, Mother. My price is $500,000 in cash. And no tricks, gentlemen. I see you reaching for what is probably a revolver, Commodore. Let me warn you, that door you came through to enter this room is made of steel. The door and the windows of this room are electrically wired on a high-tension circuit. Well, do you know good to kill me and try to make off with the model, since you cannot leave this sealed room without my say-so? It's uh, no honor among thieves, I think, Ghost. You wrong me. Komura has no intention of doing harm. Komura merely wished to secure mechanical man. Your price of $500,000 in cash. So? That's right. It is a great deal of money, but I believe I can secure this money within the hour. You will wait? You will not sell model to another bidder? No. That I promise you. Then Komura return within the hour. It is now five o'clock. I will be here again at six or before, at which time the mechanical man will become the property of the imperial Japanese government. If Kamura can secure the cash and take possession of Dr. Cameron's mechanical man model within the hour, it will mean much trouble for the United Nations fighting forces. In just a moment, we'll return to the adventures of Superman. But right now, here is another important message for you. Say, gang, I'll bet you're as interested in good things to eat as I am, aren't you? So let me tell you about a neat discovery I made at breakfast time the other day. Instead of using plain white sugar on my bowl of Kellogg's Pep, I tried sprinkling it with brown sugar. And man alive, what a difference that made. There's something about the combination of those crisp golden sweetened of those crisp golden sweet as a nut flakes with the tempting flavor of moist brown sugar, all topped off with plenty of good whole milk, that makes a really A1 breakfast treat. And what's more, gang, pep is mighty good for you, as well as doggone good eating. So if you somehow missed out on this grand breakfast cereal, my advice to you is don't put it off any longer. Ask it off any longer. Ask your mother right now to put down Kellogg's pep on her shopping list for tomorrow. And remember now... Pep, pep, get in step. Make your cereal Kellogg's pep. And now back to Superman. While the vulture is making a deal with a representative of the Japanese government, Superman is desperately trying to locate the man who masqueraded as Clark Kent. With only an hour in which to locate the vulture, will Superman be in time to prevent the model of the mechanical man from getting into the hands of the Japanese? Well, don't miss tomorrow's thrilling episode. And be with us every day, Monday through Friday, 
Same time, same station, for the exciting adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. Follow the adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is directed by George Lothar and is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. That's the speeding bullet. Locomotive. Visitor from another world. He's far beyond those of mortal man. Change the course of mighty rivers. Ben and who, disguised as Clark for a great metropolitan newspaper for truth, justice, and the American join Superman. Here. Sound gang, that's the motors of the whole world. The Lockheed P-38 Lightning sure lives up to its name. In fields, and find out more about this. That was fun trip. Our test lightning sure has what it takes. Oh, you should jump like a master. How do you feel, fella? Gosh, John. Did you ever get into the test pilot game anyway? The fellow who tests these ships, they come. Because he sure takes... That's right. You test pilots have to figure out a plane, and then you have to go ahead and... Just the point, John. Why well, train it? I have to. Plenty of rest and extra grub, too. Grub's mighty important. A fellow can't be husky and less right, gang. You see, none of us can expect unless we eat right. And eating... And say, one of the grandest was important vitamins... Be one off to a big bowl full of crisp breakfast every morning. And taste good? Say, the first time you dip a spoon into a bowl of those crisp, sweet as a nut flakes, you'll catch on to the fact that you've got a mighty swell-tasting treat there. So come on, gang. Ask your mother to get you a package of Kellogg's Pep tomorrow. Remember the name now, Pep. P-E-P. Pugs in Battle Creek, Michigan. This of Superman. Superman in the guise of Clark Kent is now trying to solve the mystery of the Tin Man, an amazing mechanical man built by a certain Dr. Livwright. The first Tin Man vanished under very strange circumstances. Dr. Livwright, however, constructed another which, as our last constructed another which, as our last episode ended, he was demonstrating to an audience of stockholders of the Metropolis Aircraft Corporation, to whom he wanted to sell the invention for $250,000. But something went wrong with the demonstration. The mechanical man, nicknamed Robert, refused to obey Dr. Livwright's command and began to act as if it had gone crazy. Pandemonium broke loose in the audience as the mechanical man, totally out of control, began to stride across the stage. Listen. Look, he's walking again. Stop, Robert. I did not tell you to start walking. Stop him, Livwright. Stop him, I say. Something must have gone wrong. Yes, but I don't know what, Mr. White. Stop, Robert. Stop. Uh, what? Did you hear that noise? Yes, look, he's coming straight for me. Stop him! Stop him! What? Can't you control that, that monster? I don't know. I don't seem to be able to tell him. Take turn some dials. Talk to him. Do something. Robert, stop! Stop, I say! It's the audience. They're beginning to run out. Jack, deliver it in the name of heaven. Do something quickly. There's nothing I can do, I tell you. This tin man is out of control. There's absolutely nothing I can do. And a good deal you can do, Dr. Liberty. What? What did you say? I said there's a good deal you can do. And the first thing you'll do is confess. Confess everything. Look, he's pointing his steel finger at Dr. Liberty. The thing's gone mad. Find everyone. 
run for your life. Yes? What? Oh, no. Well, I'll be... 
Uh, send him right in. Oh, who is it, Chief? Someone important? Dr. Leander Cameron is here. Dr. Cameron? Good heavens, I haven't seen him since Superman rescued him from the mystery ship. Oh, nor have I. wonder what he wants now. Another expedition? Well, if he does, he's wasting his time. I'll have no more... Uh, Dr. Leander Cameron, sir. Leander! Hey, my dad, get ready! Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I think I must have hit the gate. Uh, you sure did. You carry so much paraphernalia with you, I don't wonder. Oh, that's certainly true. Butterfly net, pots and pans, boxes and bottles of all descriptions. Really, Professor. Uh, be prepared. That, as you know, is my motto, along with the Boy Scouts of America. Never put decide whether they thought of it first or I did. Well, nobody thought of it first or I did. Well, no matter. It's a good motto, don't you think? Yes, of course. But uh, Leander, what... what brings you here today? A pretty and excellent question for which I have an excellent answer. Perry, I want to talk to you about and gain your support for the mechanical man known as the Tin Man. Now, hold on, Leander. Hold on. What for? I'm not falling. No, 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 no. I didn't mean that. Ah. What I meant was, so far as I'm concerned, the Tin Man is over and done with. It was nothing more or less than a cheap trick. A fraud. You're wrong, Perry. The Tin Man was and is more than that. What do you mean? Didn't Clark expose it? Yes, yes, of course. I was in that audience today. Of course, I was in that audience today that came to watch the demonstration. I was with the scientific delegation. As it happens, Perry, I know Dr. Lovelight very well. As a matter of fact, he came to me often to help him in the construction of his mechanical man. He did? Uh, now, Leander, don't tell me you're in on this hoax, too. On the contrary, Perry, quite on the contrary. You see, Dr. Livright was very sincere about his mechanical man until our friend Mr. Peterson approached him with his nefarious scheme to make money. It was then, on realizing that he could make $75,000 with such ease, that Livright took the path to perdition. So what? So what? So this, Mr. Kent, I know, I, Dr. Leander Euthanasia Cameron, know that there can be such a thing as a tin man. What? A mechanical man who can see, speak, walk, and speak, walk, and sing. Are you Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. But before we join Superman, here is an important message. Hey, gang, here's the story of two daring Marines who lived in a series of foxholes for five long days before they managed to escape. These particular Levenecks got separated from their comrades during a battle. Come on, boys. Duck into this cave here. Right. It'll be safe enough here. When it gets dark, we'll call out. Hey, Sam. There's an American destroyer anchored offshore. Huh? If we get down there, we're okay. They'll catch us, Bill. No, they won't. We'll wait here till it's real dark. And then we'll sneak out, see? For five long nights, these two Leathernecks crawled in and out of foxholes, through underbrush, with only a bottle of water and some iron rations. At last, Bill. Hey, Bill. We're almost there. <laughs> Look through this hedge. I can see her. Our destroyer. Let's make a run for the beach. Gee, fella. I'm half dead. You go ahead. Nothing doing, pal. You're coming along with me. Come on up. Put your arm around my waist. That's it. We'll make a break for it. 
Come on, fella, into the water. They can't get us there. Yes, they made it. Now, fellas and girls, for those Marines, it was all in the game. But you and I know that a fella has to be in top-notch physical condition to come through an ordeal like that. And speaking of endurance, here's a tip. None of us can expect to have plenty of zip and energy unless we eat right. And eating right includes getting all our vitamins. And say, I don't know a better way to start getting two mighty important vitamins, B1 and D, than by helping yourself to a swell big bowl full of crisp, crunchy Kellogg's Pep every morning. And believe you me, anybody who's had a taste of those grand, sweet-as-a-nut flakes can tell you what a super delicious treat Pep is. So ask your mother to get you a package of swell-tasting Pep tomorrow. And start right away having a mighty good breakfast that's mighty good for you. Remember the name now, Pep. P-E-P. Pep is made by Kellogg's in Battle Creek, Michigan. And now, the adventures of Superman. As you remember, editor Perry White has financed the experiments of Dr. Leander Cameron, the eccentric scientist who built a greatly improved model of a mechanical man that can not only speak, see, and walk, but can think for itself as well. Realizing the great value of such a robot to the nation at war, a notorious master criminal called the Vulture stole the model and offered to sell it to the Japanese government. He was prevented from doing this by Superman, who nabbed him in the nick of time, took him to police headquarters, and had him put in jail. As our last episode ended, however, word was received by Perry White that the Vulture, a masterful makeup artist, had escaped and was once again at large. Our scene is now police headquarters. Perry White and Clark Kent are just entering the office of Inspector Henderson. Listen. Well, Henderson, this is a fine mess, I must say. Now, Perry... Now, don't you now, Perry, me. My paper is a fortune, Metropolis. And by George, if you can't show just cause for letting that man escape, I mean, if you can't prove that this isn't criminal negligence on your part, I'll plaster this story all over the front page of the Daily Planet and see to it that you're thrown out of office. Now, hold on, Perry. You're talking as if I deliberately let this man escape. Sure, take it easy, Chief. Criminals escape all over the country, you know, even from large prisons. Now, look here, Kent. I, I... Well, well, I, I suppose I have gotten a little too heated. Yeah. But by heaven, Henderson, when I think of Superman capturing this man, this man who by your own account is the most notorious criminal in the world... Yes, and then he escapes. I know, Perry, I know. No, you don't know a tenth of it. Do you realize what this escape means, Henderson? Of course. It means that the master criminal is at large. It means more than that. It means that once again he'll try to get his hands on the model of the mechanical man. Exactly. Uh, you've nothing to worry about there. You told me that you yourself had seen the model deposited in the vault of the Metropolis City Bank. Vault, vault. What a vault's mean to a man of this caliber. This man is the vulture, the Houdini of the underworld. If he could break out of your prison here, he can certainly break into a vault. Wait a minute, Chief. Oh, really, Perry, you're getting much too excited. I know those vaults at the bank. He couldn't possibly break into them. All right, all right, all right. But if anything happens, well, well, never mind. How did the vulture escape? Well, he, uh, he sawed through the bars of his cell window with a hacksaw. What? Inspector, you don't really mean he got away with an old trick like that. Yes, Kent, he did. But but didn't you search him thoroughly before putting him into a cell? Uh, Perry, we certainly did. We gave him a thorough going over. He was stripped clean and every bit of his clothing examined carefully. And where the devil did he get that hacksaw blade? Uh, you got me. It couldn't have been passed to him because no one was allowed to see him. As for the guards, everyone is trustworthy. Been with me for years. I think I know how he did it. What you do? Mm-hmm. Kent, if you can explain, I'll be in your debt for life. May I see the blade? You certainly may. I have it right here in my desk drawer. There. There it is. Wrapped in tissue. Yeah, there you are. Well, well, start explaining. Just as I thought. Explaining. Just as I thought. Explaining. Just as I thought. Yeah. This man really is a clever criminal. I'm afraid he deserves the title I've given him, Houdini of the Underworld. 
He's even borrowed one of Houdini's tricks. Well, what do you mean, Kent? Yes, Kent, for heaven's sake, I'm explain. not sure of this, since I never knew Houdini personally, but someone once told me that Houdini could conceal things in his throat. What? what? That? Yes, getting the idea from circus sword swallowers, Houdini learned to hold something inside his throat merely by contracting the muscles at the side of his throat. As I understand it, he used to carry a small lockpick, a file, or even a specially constructed hacksaw blade in just that way. Amazing. And this little instrument here is certainly no ordinary hacksaw blade. Well, the vulture obviously had it constructed especially for that purpose. Kent, I believe you're right. You must be right. There's no other way he could have done it. Well, I'll be hanged. Concealed inside his throat. Why, it's amazing. It's unbelievable. Well, it yeah. must be true, Mr. White. By the way, what are you doing about the vulture, Inspector? Well, for one thing, there's a statewide alarm for him. Oh, well, then as soon as he's located, your men will bring him in. They're pretty sure to find him. Well, I wish I could be as sure. The vulture's awfully tricky. The police force of the entire nation have been after him for years. That's why I was so overjoyed when Superman brought him in. Yes, and that's why I was so burned up over his escape. It's too bad he gave you the slip, but there's no point in crying about it now. The important thing is we've got to see to it that he doesn't get his hands on that model of the mechanical man. Oh, well, that's safe in the bank vault. I don't see how he can get it. Well, you didn't see how he could escape either. Now, Perry. Well, however but... it is, we've got to be sure. Let's see, what time is it? Uh, almost seven. Well, the bank is closed now, but I think this will be worth our trouble. What will be worth our trouble? What do you want to do? Now, look, Mr. White, you know the president of the bank, don't you? Yes, yes, so what? Well, I want you to call him and have him meet us at the bank in, oh, say, half an hour. Yes, but... Inspector, uh... I want you to give us a squad of men to stand guard at that vault as long as the model remains in it. Now, gladly, Ken, gladly. But I want to go even further than that. Yeah? I want to be absolutely sure the model is really inside that vault before we post the guard. That's why I want the bank president to come down and open it. Oh, now I see what you're driving at. We'll open the vault, make sure the model is there, then post the police car. Exactly. And that way, nothing can possibly go wrong. Very good. Excellent idea, Kent. I'll rest easier when that's done. Now, look here, Kent. You don't really think the vulture's gotten to that vault already. Well, you never know, and we shouldn't take any chances. I guess you're right. Here's the phone, Chief. You better call the president of the bank right away. All right. Now, let's see now. What's his home number? Oh, yes. M-E-4-9... A short while later, Clark Kent, Editor White, Inspector Henderson, and a police squad meet the president of the Metropolis City Bank outside the door of the bank. Well, of course, I'll do anything you say, Perry, but this doesn't really make sense to me. Well, perhaps not, John, but believe me, it is important. We just want to be sure the model of the mechanical man is actually in the vault before posting a guard, Mr. Parsons. Very well. Wait just one minute. I'll ring for the night watchman. I can't understand you're not believing that the model is there because... We don't believe it's been stolen. We just want to be sure. The man who's after it is probably the cleverest criminal in the world, and we're just not taking any chances. Clever or not, he'd never get into our vaults. I can tell you that. Ah, here comes the watchman now. He's a new man. Yes? What is it? Your name uh, Hawkins? Yes, sir. Oh, you must be Mr. Parsons, the president. You telephoned a little while ago and said you'd be coming down. Yes. You can unlock that grilled railing, Hawkins. Hey, yes, sir. Uh, bring him in, Henderson. All right, man. This way. Okay. Now, uh, show us to the vault, Hawkins. Hey, yes, sir. This way. Uh, can you see all right in the glow of my flashlight? Oh, yes. But you'd better snap on the lights in the vaults when we get there. Hey, yes, sir. Uh, down these steps. Here we are. Uh, I'll just snap on these lights. Ah, that's the vault there. Yes, uh, I'll open it for you, Perry. Oh, thanks, John. Won't take a minute. That when you know the combination. Well, then let's see. Ah, there we are. Now to turn this handle. Here she comes. 
There's an automatic light inside. Oh, yes, I see the model, all right. Safe and sound, thank heaven. Well, we better be sure, though. Let's have it out here and make certain it's really the model and not just a dummy substitute. You're right, Chief. It's best to be thorough. Suit yourself. I'll get it, sir, in just a minute. Uh, here you are, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. That's the model, all right, complete with control panel. Well, I'm satisfied. You, Chief? Inspector? Yeah, looks okay to me. Yes. Uh, here, uh, put it back. Hey, yes, sir. And uh, lock the vault, Hawkins, while we're still here. Yes, sir. All right, Inspector. You can post your guard now. Right, sir. And let me tell you, the vault will never get past these men. And I hope not. Mr. Parsons, is that door properly locked? It certainly is, Mr. Kent. No one can get in or out without the combination. And only our vice president and I know that. Good. Well, my mind's at rest. Vulture or no vulture, I'll sleep peacefully tonight. Uh, you'll be here in the morning, John? Yes, Jerry. Yes, Barry, why? Well, I've got to demonstrate that model for Colonel Young of the Air Corps at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. I'd like to pick up the model at, uh, oh, say, uh, 9.30, huh? I'll be here, never fear. See you then at 9.30 tomorrow morning. following morning at 9.30, Clark Kent and Perry White enter the office of John Parson, president of the Metropolis City Bank. Well, Perry, right on time, I see. Yes, I have to be. As I told you, Colonel Young is meeting me at my office at 10. Can we go right down to the vault, Mr. Parsons? I want to get that model. Certainly, Mr. Kent, come along. Here's a private staircase leading down from my office. Through this door. I hope you slept well last night, Perry, after all those precautions you took. Mm, it's a funny thing, but I just couldn't sleep. My nature, I guess. Once I start worrying about something, I just can't get it out of my head. <laughs> can't blame you for that. Ah, here we are. Oh. There's Inspector Henderson's police guard still on duty, you see. Yeah, so I see. Morning, Sergeant. Morning, sir. Everything all right during the night? Everything just perfect, sir. No one even tried to get past us. Good. Well, open her up, John, and I'll take the mechanical man with me. Oh, by the way, Sergeant, I called the inspector this morning before coming over. You and your men are to act as bodyguard to my office. Okay, sir. Glad to. Well, there we are. Now then, I'll just turn this handle and... Open comes the door of the vault. I'll certainly be glad when this business is over and done with. Uh, hand the model out, John. Uh, John. Perry. Mr. Parsons, what is it, sir? Well, John, why, why are you looking at me like that? You you can't mean... Oh, no, it can't be. It, it, it couldn't be. It's gone. The model of your mechanical man is gone. And look, this was lying in its place. Well, a tiny wooden carving of a bird. A vulture. Once again, the vulture has struck. But how, how did he accomplish it? In just a moment, we'll return to the adventures of Superman. But right now, here is another important message. Say, gang, my pal Jerry Link is in training now for the basketball team, and he comes home mighty hungry these days. Now, of course, he's got to go easy on sweets and pastries, but he solves that one all right. He just pours himself a big bowl full of Kellogg's Pep with plenty of milk, and boy, does it hit the spot. You see, Pep is made from the very choicest parts of sun-ripened wheat, so you get plenty of real, flavorsome goodness right from the start. And then it's carefully toasted, so as to make it extra crisp, extra good fun to eat. In fact, Pep is really good for you, as well as grand tasting. So if you've been missing out on this grand treat so far, don't pass it up any longer. Ask your mother to get you a package of delicious Kellogg's Pep tomorrow. And remember... Pep, Pep, get in step. Make your cereal. And now, back to Superman. Well, what do you think is the solution to this latest puzzle? How did the vulture get past the police guard and steal the mechanical man again? There are exciting adventures in store for us in our next episode, so be sure to tune in Monday. And every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station.
Tune in and follow the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Superman, strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend the steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. But before we join Superman, here is an important message. Hey, gang, ever talk to a serviceman who's seen real action? Well, my pal Jerry Link was mighty lucky the other day. His older brother took him over to meet some friends of his at a USO club. And they were... Gee, Joe, I never saw so many different uniforms at once. Why, they got flyers and sailors and marines Oh, and that's and... not all either, kid. Why, right in this club, we've got men from all over the world. Hey, Scotty. Hi. Scotty Patterson, come on over here and meet the kid brother. Hi. Well, I'm very pleased to make your acquaintance, Master Jerry. Gee, do you mind if I ask some questions? As long as they aren't military secrets, youngster. Oh, I don't mean that. I just want to know what the insignia on your cap means. Oh, what uh, kind of work you do uh, and uh, how you got into oh, it. Hold on, not so fast there, Master Jerry. I'll tell you the whole story. I'm serving on a minesweeper in the Royal Navy. A minesweeper? Hey. Well, what do you do? Yeah, we're the birds who keep the seas clean of mines for convoys and warships. And believe you me, youngster... That job is harder than any army job I can think of. We are out here all the time in all kinds of weather. Sleet storms and fog and icy gales that freeze you right down to the marrow of your bones. Gee, I guess you guys have to be pretty tough for that job, don't you? Well, youngster, I can tell you this. If you're going to stick with your job, you've got to have plenty of endurance. Minesweeping's no game for softies, lad. Right, Scotty. That goes for any job that our servicemen tackle today. And while we're on the subject of endurance, let me give all of you a tip. You can't expect to grow up really strong and husky unless you eat right, which includes getting all your vitamins. Now, one of the grandest ways I can think of to start getting two mighty important vitamins, B1 and D, is by treating yourself to a swell big bowl full of extra delicious Kellogg's Pep for breakfast every morning. So ask your mother to get you a package of swell-tasting Pep tomorrow. And remember the name now, Pep. P-E-P. And now, the adventures of Superman. As you all remember, Dr. Leander Cameron invented a mechanical man which could see, walk, talk, and even think for itself. He constructed a model of the mechanical man which was stolen by an arch-criminal named the Vulture, a Houdini of the underworld. Superman regained the model and sent the Vulture to prison. But the Vulture, a master of makeup and mimicry, somehow managed to escape. Then, although the police were guarding the vault in which it was placed for safekeeping, the vulture succeeded in getting his hands on the model of the mechanical wonder once again. For as our last episode ended... But wait, 
Let's join Clark Kent, Editor White, and the others in the vaults of the Metropolis City Bank. Listen. Well, I wonder what this is. Yeah. Impossible, I tell you. I will not. I cannot believe it. I can't believe it either, Perry. I'm the president of this bank. No one but myself and one vice president know the combination to that vault. And no one could have gotten into it without the combination. Well, not only that, Mr. Parsons, but these six policemen have been stationed in front of the vault all night. And the sergeant swears no one got past them. No one even came in here. I'll stake my sergeant's stripes on that. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, 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 let's start from the beginning and get this fantastic business straight. We know that model of the mechanical man was in the vault last night. Because we came down here and Parsons here opened the vault just to be sure. That's right, Perry. And after I closed and locked it again... These policemen were posted on guard in front of it. Yet when we come to get the model this morning, we find it's gone. And in its place is this thing, a wooden carving of a vulture. Well, it's all pretty clear to me. Somehow, the vulture managed to get into that vault during the night, steal the model of the mechanical man, and get away without being detected. Impossible, Perry. Totally impossible. The vault is burglar-proof. You couldn't even blow it open. Any tampering with it sets off a loud alarm. I don't care how clever this vulture is... He could never have gotten into that vault without the combination. And one vice president and I are the only ones who know it. Well, could he have managed to get hold of it somehow without your knowing? Certainly not. The other man who knows it is in California. Has been for two months. The combination is not written down on anything, anywhere. We memorize it, you see. Oh. Besides, even if he did know the combination, we know he didn't get in that way. Because the sergeant here says no one even came into this room during the night. Are you sure of that, Sergeant? Positive, Mrs. Kent. No one could have come in undetected. No, sir. We kept the lights burning bright all night long. Mm-hmm. And there's only one answer to this whole mess. And I think I know it. What's that, Mr. Kent? You say you know the answer to this mystery? Yes, and I'm pretty sure it's the only answer. There couldn't possibly be any other. Well, 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 well what is it, Kent? Come on, come on, speak up, man. Wait a minute. Speak up. Wait a minute. That is the only answer. How does it figure out? Of course. Mr. Parsons, you're president of this bank. Yes. And I want your permission to search this bank from top to bottom right now. Well, of course. But why? I'd rather not say until I'm sure of what I'm thinking, until I find the thing I'm looking for. Sergeant, order your men to search this bank. Have them examine every room, every closet thoroughly. Now, hold on, Mr. Kent. How can we look for something when we don't know what we're looking for? Well, if I'm right, you'll know it when you see it. Get going. All right, sir. All right, men. You know what to do. Mr. Parsons, the three of us will start with the watchman's quarters. I've got a feeling we'll find what I'm after there. Come on. I'm afraid I don't know where the watchman's quarters are, Kent. Well, we can find out easily enough. Come along. Oh, Kent, I wish you'd stop all this confounded mystery. Just what are you up to? What exactly are you looking for? Only one thing I could possibly be looking for, and that... Yeah, wait a minute. Here's a door with a sign on it which says Porter's. Well, the watchman's quarters are probably in that room. Let's have a look. Well, what have we got to lose? Come on. Mm-hmm. The room's empty. This is obviously the place we're looking for. Those lockers. I want to have a look inside them at once. All right, Kent. I'll try this one over here. Okay. Nothing in this one here, Kent. I'll keep trying. I was right. I can see right through this locker. and well, I'd better get it open. There's nothing here. I'll keep at it. The door is locked. Well, I just have to wrench it open. They'll never notice. There we are. Chief, Mr. Parsons. I found what I was looking for. Come here. Well, what is it, Kent? What is it, brother? What? Great heavens. It's a man. Bound and gagged and unconscious. Drugged, I imagine. And hidden in this locker. But, uh, but who is he? Your night watchman. My night... Now, wait a minute. I'll explain everything to you. 
It's all pretty obvious and simple, really, and I'm afraid we've all been tricked beautifully. I don't follow you. Well, if you could recognize all your employees by sight, you'd know that this man is your night watchman. And you'd have known that the man named Hawkins, who admitted us to the bank last night, was not. But but we've just changed men. He was a new man. You don't mean that the man we saw I was... I certainly do. The man who pretended to be the night watchman last night was no one but the vulture. But great heavens, can you be so certain? Don't you see? No one entered that vault last night. No one got past the sergeant and his men. And yet the model was gone this morning. Well, there could only be one answer to that. The model was not put back into the vault at all. I begin to see it all now. As I remember, that watchman last night put the model of the mechanical man back into the vault for us, and then Parsons locked the door. That's right. Mm -hmm, But actually, he didn't put it back. If the vulture is as clever at trickery as we have reason to believe, it would have been a simple matter for him to hide that model temporarily. Good grief. Kent, you're right. You must be right. Well, what do we do now? We've got to get uh, back that model of the mechanical man. There's no telling what use the vulture will make of it. To think of his pulling a trick like this right before our eyes. We never even suspected. I'm worried, Chief. A mechanical man in the hands of an arch-criminal like the vulture is a dangerous and deadly thing. We've got to get that mechanical man back. And something tells me we'd better do it in a hurry. Our scene changes now from the Metropolis City Bank to another hideout of the vulture. We find ourselves in a large room in which stands a huge tank filled with ice-cold water. Lying at the bottom of the tank, clad in a bathing suit, is the vulture. His arms, legs, and body bound with chains and locks. As he twists and turns furiously underwater, trying to free himself from the chains that bind him, his manservant Judson stands by outside the tank with a stopwatch in his hand. Suddenly, the vulture is free of the chains and locks, and with a quick movement, shoots to the surface of the tank. Uh, what was the time, Judson? You've broken your record, sir. You escaped from the straitjacket and the chains in exactly two minutes and 43 seconds. That's six seconds better than your old record. Oh, excellent. <coughs> your towel and robe, sir. Thank you, Judson. Ah, that water was bracing this morning. I don't know how you stand it, sir. I positively do not. I'm hardened to it, Judson. Oh, it takes willpower, but I enjoy nothing more than forcing my body to obey my will. Uh, breakfast is ready, I trust? Yes, sir. I served it on your desk as you requested. I also put the model of the mechanical man on your desk. Excellent. Uh, come, Judson, sit with me while I breakfast. I'd like to talk to you. Oh, very well, sir. Uh, it does me good to see that model of the mechanical man standing here before me on the desk. It took a lot of hard and ticklish work to get my hands on it again. I can imagine, sir. Shall I pour your coffee, sir? Yes. Uh, no. Yes, sir. Uh, let the mechanical man do it. Let the mechanical man do it, sir? Yes. Just watch. I press the switch on the control panel. So? Now, when the eyes light up, he'll be ready to perform. Judson, I've made a decision. A decision, sir? Yes, Judson. I have decided not to sell the mechanical man. Not to? But why did you want it, sir? I'm coming to that. For years, I've worked as a lone criminal. I've made myself an expert in many fields so that I might successfully elude capture and conviction. But I'm not getting any younger, you know. And I think the time has come for me to acquire an accomplice. Really, sir? An accomplice? Have you found one who is suitable, sir? Yes, Judson, I have. The mechanical man will be my aid and accomplice. Sir. I shall get in touch with Smith at once and have him construct an eight-foot monster. An eight-foot monster of steel that will do my bidding. 
Obey my every command. Kill when I command it. Steal when I command it. Smash and mutilate and destroy when I command it. <laughs> Was there ever such a combination, Judson? Good heavens, I, I hardly think so, sir. Not I. Well, now to breakfast. The eyes of the mechanical man have lit up. Mechanical man, I command you to pour my coffee. Look, sir. He's walking toward the coffee pot. By Jove. No, sir. He, he's picking it up. Amazing. And look at that, sir. He, he's walking toward your cup now. By Jove. Uh, yes, by heaven, sir. He's starting to fill your cup. <laughs> it's amazing, sir. Even more than amazing. It's miraculous, Judson. <laughs> I shall be the most dangerous criminal in the world. Well, the vulture contemplates with pleasure the horror and destruction he can perpetrate with the aid of an eight-foot mechanical man that can walk, talk, hear, see, and even think. In just a moment, we'll return to the adventures of Superman. But right now, here is another important message. Say, gang, ever have days when you know the minute you get up in the morning that everything is going to be really super? Well, maybe that doesn't happen as often as you'd like. But I can give you one mighty swell suggestion. Just you try starting your day with a grand big bowl full of crisp, crunchy Kellogg's Pep for breakfast. And see if that doesn't give you a real lift. Yes, sir, Pep is so doggone swell tasting that it sort of brightens up your day right from the start. You see, Pep is made from the choice parts of sun-ripened wheat, carefully toasted so it's just as light and crisp and tempting as you could possibly want. So be sure to ask your mother to get you a package of delicious Kellogg's Pep tomorrow. And remember... Pep, Pep, get in step. Make your cereal Kellogg's Pep. And now back to Superman. While the vulture plans the building of an eight-foot monster from Dr. Cameron's model, Superman in the guise of Clark Kent is leading a desperate search to locate the arch-criminal. Will he be found in time? Will Superman be able to avert the disaster planned by the vulture? What will happen? Be sure to tune in tomorrow and every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, for the thrilling adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look! Look in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Follow the adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is directed by George Lothar and is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Superman, strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, 
fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. But before we join Superman, here is an important message. Say, gang, have you heard the exciting story of the Coast Guards whose lives were saved by a lot of pigs? Well, sir, it actually happened. These Coast Guards were engaged in landing operations off the African coast. The sea was very rough. Okay, men. We've landed all our troops and equipment. Let's get back to our base. Give it a juice, Sam. Oh, we're stuck in the sand, are we? I can't budge her. Oh, keep at it, Sam. We're leaking badly as it is. Oh, my gosh. Both propellers are busted clean off. We're finished now, all right. Uh-huh. Well, we'll just go ashore and catch up with the Army troops over there in that village. Hey, Sam. There's an enemy patrol heading this way. Come on. Into this shed. Henry. Henry, we're in a pig pen. It's too dark to see him, but I'll bet there's at least a dozen pigs in here. Right next to us. That's perfect, Sam. They'll never find us here. Come on, get over in this corner and pull us over here. For five long days, those two Coast Guards lived in the pig pen. Finally, the town was surrendered to American troops, and they emerged, still full of fight and energy. Now, gang, those two Coast Guards might not have been able to survive their tough experiences if they hadn't been in A-1 condition. But they were. They had plenty of real stamina. And while we're on the subject of stamina, I want to give all of you a really helpful suggestion. None of you can expect to grow up sturdy and strong unless you eat right, which includes getting all your vitamins. And I can't think of a better way to start getting two very valuable vitamins, D1 and D, than by sitting down to a swell big bowl full of crisp, delicious Kellogg's Pep for breakfast every morning. And boy, oh boy, are those crunchy golden flakes grand eating. Ask your mother to get you a package of wholesome, delicious Kellogg's Pep tomorrow. Remember the name now, Pep, P-E-P. And now, the adventures of Superman. As you know, Superman in his guise of Clark Kent is now pitted against the most powerful criminal in the world, a mastermind known as the Vulture, who has once again succeeded in getting his hands on the irreplaceable model of Dr. Cameron's mechanical man. In our last episode, we heard how the Vulture enlisted the aid of a man named Smith to build an eight-foot replica of the mechanical man, a veritable monster to do his evil bidding. But more than that, the Vulture is planning a campaign of vengeance against Clark Kent and Perry White. As our last episode ended, Jimmy Olsen had fallen into a trap set for him by the master criminal. And this, as we learned, was the first step in what the vulture called an experiment in horror. Yet, strangely enough, as our story continues, we find Jimmy sitting in the lavish study of the vulture's hideout, very much at his ease, as he eats a large ice cream sundae. And sitting across from him is the vulture himself. Listen. There. Boy, that tasted good. I'm glad you enjoyed it, Jimmy. Say, listen, mister, just watch your game anyhow. You'll find it a very interesting game, I think. Just what don't you understand? Well, for one thing, I know I'm a prisoner here. When I tried to get out, I found all the doors locked. The windows, too. Besides, you haven't made any bones about telling me I can't leave. True. So I've got the feeling that this isn't just a nice sociable party. That's right, Jimmy. Well, I don't get it. Why are you treating me so nicely, then? I'll explain. For one thing, I dislike physical pain so much that I am incapable of inflicting it on others. For instance, if I were to torture you, I'm sure the torture would hurt me more than it would you. Besides, if I inflicted pain on you, I'm certain you wouldn't give me the satisfaction of showing it. Now, would you? You bet I wouldn't. You can do what you like to me. You'd never let get me to beg for mercy. As long as I could hold out, anyhow. Quite so. 
then there'd be no point in physical torture. But mental torture, there is something else again. It's the principle Hitler uses, for instance, to force people to do his bidding. You mean you're going to make me do something for you? No, not you. Now, look. Suppose Clark Kent and Lois Lane and Editor White of the Daily Planet were led to believe that you were being tortured. Suppose you yourself were to give them that impression. If you think I'd do a thing like that, you're crazy. Suppose you want me to pull the old gag about calling him on the phone and telling him you're torturing me, eh? Oh, no, nothing as crude and obvious as that. Well, just what are you going to do? You'll see, Jimmy. It's quite an amusing and ingenious little game. By the time I'm through, Kent and the others will believe that I am torturing you as the Indians tortured white captives. They'll be in a frenzy to find you and stop it. And the fact that they won't be able to find you practically drives them mad. <laughs> very amusing. Yeah, very funny. Oh, you don't think so? No. That's a horrible thing to do. Do anything you want to me, anything here. But leave them alone. Can't you stand it? I can stand anything. Do your work. Don't do anything to hurt my friend. Well, we'll see. I'll think over my plan a little further before doing anything about it. However, you're still my prisoner... So I shall ask you to go back into that room we've set aside for you. Okay, there's nothing else I can do right now, anyhow. <laughs> into the room now. I'll lock you in, if you don't mind. <laughs> Little fool, he played into my hands perfectly. Uh, ring for Judson. Well, Judson? Everything works perfectly, sir. Good. You made a recording of that conversation I just had with the young man? I did, sir. Excellent. By guiding the conversation, I managed to make him say, uh, let me see. Ah, yes. Once he said, you can do what you like to me. You'll never get me to beg for mercy. Yes, sir. We can use that beautifully in the record I'm going to make. Then he said, that's a horrible thing to do. Do anything you want to me. Anything you hear, but leave them alone. Splendid material, sir, for putting on the record we're going to make, eh? Perfect. And also, in an angry tone, he used the one word, no. We can use that over and over again, Judson. Just that one word. No. I must congratulate you, sir. You're a remarkably clever man. I am indeed, Judson. I am. Our scene now changes to the office of Editor White in the Daily Planet. The time, a few hours later. Editor Perry White is striding up and down his office angrily while Clark Kent looks off. And you, you, a pissed fool to go chasing off on a call across town to police headquarters, leaving that kid unguarded. She's a beautifully planned job. Ah. And you know I was expecting some sort of word from Inspector Henderson about the mechanical man. <laughs> Naturally, when Lois called me and said Henderson had telephoned for me to come to headquarters right away, I went. When I got there and Henderson told me he hadn't called at all, well, then I knew something was wrong. No, I suppose I shouldn't blame you, Kent. I had to fall into the same trick myself, I guess. After all, neither of us is Superman. Uh, no, no, you're, you're half right. Well, I mean, you've, you've got something there. Yes, and neither is that miracle man, this Houdini of the underworld, who calls himself the Vulture. He's no Superman any more than you or me. Well, if he could capture that kid right under our noses, we can get him back. And we've got to get him back, do you hear, Kent? We've got to get him back. Well, of course we do. And why keep me here? Let me get out and get started on the search. We've got to find out where the vulture's new hideout is before we can rescue Jimmy. And we'll never do it sitting here. We're staying here until Inspector Henderson calls and lets us know what his men have uncovered. Oh, Practically, the entire police force is calling the city. There's nothing we can do but wait. Oh, plenty of Superman to do if you could only get away from here. Huh? Huh? What's that? Oh, what'd you say? Nothing, nothing. You said something about Superman. Oh, I just think we heard... Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. That may be the inspector now. Why speaking? Oh, yes, Lois. No, no, not a thing yet. Now, Lois, in the name of heaven, hold on to yourself. There's no point in crying. You are crying. I can hear you sniffling over the phone. Now, stop worrying. We'll find the boy. But... What? 
Well, this is one time that Superman is not here, and that's all there is to it. All right, Lois, goodbye. The fool girl blubbering out something about if only Superman were here. Uh, look, Chief, I, I, I can't stay here waiting for that call from Henderson any longer. I want to find Jimmy, and I've got to get going. You'll stay here, or I'll know the reason why. Jimmy Olsen's in trouble. That's the reason why. Can't I warn you? Excuse me, Mr. White. Package just arrived for you. All right, all right. Give it here. Give it here. Huh. I wonder what this can be. It looks like a photograph record. Mm, here's a record. One of those homemade things. Hello. Look what it says on the label. To Clark Kent, Perry White, and Lois Lane. For news of Jimmy Olsen, play this record. What? And Kent. It's signed the Vulture. Oh, for heaven's sake, let's play it. Come on, the, the, the music critic down the hall has the portable phonograph. Come on. Yeah. Well, if anything has happened to that kid... Well, we'll soon know. Whatever you're thinking goes double for me. Now, nah, here's the music critic's office. Nah, he isn't here, but his phonograph is. Come on, then. Close the door. I'll start the machine. All right, I'll get the record on. Yeah. Uh, just a minute now. I don't want to break it. There. Okay, now put the needle on. Right. This is the voucher speaking. This is meant to acquaint you with a few pleasantries that are now happening to your friend, Jimmy Olsen. I have made a recording of an incident that took place at three o'clock this afternoon. Boy, it's just five now. Two hours of... Listen and listen carefully. I can stand in. Do your work. What? I intend to do my work, young man. You see these instruments? You know what they're for? You can do what you like to me. You'll never get me to beg for mercy. Good for you. When I get started, young fellow, I think you'll change your mind. No. No. Oh, yes, This instrument, for instance, you'll know what it can do. You'll know what I can accomplish with it. That's a horrible thing to do. Yes, quite. But that's my nature. Besides, I have a little score to settle with your friends. The next time they see you, Jimmy, they won't find you a pleasant sight. Now then, let's begin. No. No. I will spare you, gentlemen, and Miss Lane, the scene that followed. I do think you have by this time some idea of what it means to get in the way of the vulture. Why, that's As you know, I have the model of the mechanical man. I advise you to let me keep it. Take the police off my trail. I warn you, persist in your efforts to block me, and the same thing will happen to you. That is now happening to Jimmy. What? Don't be right back. Uh, Chief. I can't talk. I, I feel sick. I have my stomach. You you better go back to your office and sit down. But he's torturing that boy. Can I? No, no, can't no, do it. Do as I suggest, Chief. I'll be with you in a minute. Oh, well, what are you going to do? I, uh, I, uh, I, I just want to play this record again. Oh, oh can't, can't. How could you bear it? How could you bear it? Oh, that poor oh, kid. Please, please, please. Go on back to your office. Yeah. All right, I... I'll go. I'll be right along. Play this record again? Oh, no. But this record is going to be mighty helpful, so I'll take it with me. A vulture is clever, but this time he's overstepped himself. He's given me the clue I was waiting for. This is a job for Superman. There's not a moment to lose. Off of these clothes. There we are. Now, up with this window. And out. Out! Once again, Superman, a man of steel, takes to the trail. In just a moment, we'll return to the adventures of Superman, but right now, here is another important message. 
The other day, I happened to ask my pal Jerry Link which meal he liked best, breakfast, dinner, or supper. Well, he didn't waste any time. He came right out for breakfast. That's because, according to Jerry, a fellow's likely to be hungry as a bear in the morning, and everything just seems to taste better right then. So I want to tip all of you off to something really swell. Just you try treating yourself to a bowl full of crisp, crunchy, golden Kellogg's Pep for breakfast with plenty of milk. And see if that doesn't make your breakfast a mighty fine occasion, too. Yes, uh, there's something about the grand, light crispness and real tempting flavor of Pep that sure enough hits the spot at breakfast time. So ask your mother to get you a package of delicious Kellogg's Pep tomorrow. And remember... Pep, Pep, get in step. Make your cereal Kellogg's Pep. And now back to Superman. Although we know that no harm has been done to Jimmy Olsen, the vulture has cleverly made it appear that the boy is being tortured by using a recording of Jimmy's voice. But what did Superman mean when he said the vulture has been just a little too clever? What clue has Superman found in the record? And how will he be able to follow that clue to the vulture's hideout? Don't miss the next exciting episode. Be sure to be with us tomorrow and every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, for the thrilling adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, the bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Follow the adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is directed by George Lothar and is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. But before we join Superman, here is an important message. Hey, gang, here's an adventure that's so fantastic you'd hardly believe it's really true. It's the story of one young Marine who all by himself survived three whole weeks of fighting in the jungles of Guadalcanal. He'd gotten lost from his platoon one morning and was hiding in the grass. Hey, fellas, where are you? Hey! I wonder where they could have gone. Maybe up this trail. Holy smoke, a gang of Japs. I can't get around them. Gee, I wonder what I... Say, I bet this trick will work. Yes, sir, that Marine stampeded a large group of Japs by pretending he was a whole platoon. And then he went on through the jungle. And at last, one rainy night... Gee, lights ahead. I must have hit a camp. I sure wish I could tell whose it is. I'll, I'll crawl a little closer. Why, say, that looks like my own gang. Hey, Sam! Joe, hey, fellas, it's me! Hey, here I am! Hey, Joe! 
Yes, sir. After three weeks fighting the jungle and the Japs, that Marine got back to camp safely. Now, I don't have to tell any of you how much endurance that Marine had to have in order to come through his ordeal as well as he did. So I'll just point out something that all of you will be mighty glad to know. None of you can expect to have plenty of zip and energy unless you eat right, which includes getting all your vitamins. And I know hundreds of fellas and girls are starting to get two mighty important vitamins, B1 and D, in a mighty grand-tasting way. It's by sitting down to a big bowl full of delicious Kellogg's Pep for breakfast every morning. And believe you me, anybody who's had a taste of those swell, super crisp golden flakes can tell you what downright good-eating pep is. So ask your mother to get you a package of Kellogg's Pep tomorrow. And now, the adventures of Superman. Superman and his guise of Clark Kent is now pitted against the master criminal of his time, a nefarious underworld character who calls himself the Vulture. The Vulture, as you remember, has in his possession the model of the almost human mechanical man invented by Dr. Cameron. In our last episode, we heard how the Vulture carried out what he called an experiment in horror. After holding a conversation with Jimmy Olsen, Daily Planet copy boy, whom he's holding prisoner, the Vulture made a phonograph recording of Jimmy's answers and sent it to Editor White and Clark Kent. The record made it appear as if the Vulture were harming Jimmy, although actually, as we know, Jimmy has been well cared for. As our last episode ended, Clark Kent suddenly realized the record gave him just the clue he was looking for, and as Superman, set out to track it down. As our story continues now, Superman and his guise of Clark Kent arrives at the Worldwide Recording Company. I'd like to see the manager, please. Is he expecting you, sir? No, but I must see him at once. This is a matter of great importance. One minute, please. I'll find out if I'm sorry, I can't wait. As further advised you on the 28th, I wish to state that... What the devil? What's the meaning of this? How dare you break in on me like this, I apologize for intruding like this, but I've got some business with you, and it's got to be done fast. Well, I'm afraid you'll have to wait until I... This can't wait. It's a matter of life and death. Life and death? That's right. I'm assisting the police in tracking down a dangerous criminal, and you... Uh, How do I know you represent the police? You don't have to take my word for it. You sell machines for making records at home, don't you? Yes. Well, they haven't been very successful. Not many people have bought them. That narrows my search. I want a list of the people who bought those machines. Well, that ought to be simple. We've only sold three or four of them, actually. They're very expensive, you know. I've got to know the names of the people who bought those machines at once. Now, please hurry. One moment. I think we can accommodate you. Thank you. Would you mind telling me why you need these names? Well, now, there's hardly time for that. Uh, see. You rang, sir? Uh, yes. Get from the files the name of all customers who have bought model X4793, I believe, the home recording outfit. Well, I'm afraid that's impossible, what? sir. What do you mean? Well, that's ridiculous. Why is it impossible? Well, have you forgotten, sir? All those files were destroyed in the fire we had here six weeks ago. Great Scott, of course. I'd completely forgotten that. Well, haven't you duplicate files? I've got to get the names of those customers. I've just got to. I'm afraid we can't help you, sir. All our files were completely destroyed. Put me in a fine spot. But isn't there any way you can trace this criminal you speak of? No, I don't see how. You see, he sent us a recording with a special message on it, a recording made on one of your machines. Yeah. If you have no record of the people who have bought these machines, I don't see what I... Unless... Unless what? There's just one way I can think of. It's my only chance, in fact. But it's got to work. It's got to... As Kent prepares to follow a last desperate course of action... Another scene is taking place in the hideout of the Vulture. We join him now in the sumptuous study, where he is seated across the table from Jimmy Olsen. On the table is a portable record player, and the Vulture has just finished playing a copy of the record he sent to Kent and Perry White. Listen. You you mean you sent that record to Mr. Kent and Mr. White? Yes, my boy. I consider it rather ingenious of me to have thought of tricking you into playing that scene for me. But, 
But you made it sound as if you'd been torturing me. Exactly. That is how I planned it. My idea was to inflict great mental torture on your friends. As revenge for their hounding me and, uh, incidentally, to demonstrate that I am best left alone. I'd rather you kill me than do a thing like this. Oh, really? Well, it may interest you to know, young man, that your wish is about to be granted. You're trying to bluff me. You wouldn't dare. Wouldn't I? But why? Why kill me? Why don't you just let me go? So you can go back to your friends and let them know you're all right? Oh, no, that would spoil everything. Now, wait a minute, Vulture. This is different from the other crimes you've committed. You're taking a chance. Uh, it's very clever of you to stall for time like this. It will do you no good. I'm tired of this playing cat and mouse. But I warn you. Wait a minute. What are you tying me in this chair for? Because the mechanical man is going to do this job for me, it is necessary for you to remain perfectly motionless. I doubt if you'll do that under the circumstances if you're not tied in. There. That'll do for your arms. Now, these ropes around your body. You're going to kill me. Why go to all this trouble? Why not... I have a sort of mania for doing things in an unusual fashion. There, I think that will do. You can't move, can you? I'm warning you, Vulture. You're sticking your neck way out. Your concern for my neck is very, very amusing. Ah. Now, to get that rifle down off the wall from over the fireplace. I believe it's loaded. Yes. And now to stand it on the desk so that it is pointing straight across at you, and the mechanical man will fire it for me. You're crazy, I tell you. When that rifle goes off, it'll be heard out in the street. Oh, no, it won't. This is a soundproof room, especially constructed with double windows. I'm warning you again. You see, whenever I've been in danger, my friend Superman has always managed to arrive in the nick of time. And he will this time, too. I hope. Well, if your friend Superman is going to help you, he'd better hurry. Now then, all is ready. The gun is pointed straight at you. The mechanical man is standing at the end of the table. I shall take this control panel into the next room with me. From there, I shall order him to walk across the table and pull the trigger. You rat. <laughs> you, you'll pay for this. We shall see. Goodbye, young Olsen. Golly, if only Superman would show up. How can he know about this? I'm afraid I can't count on him this time. I'll try to get out of these ropes if I can't. I know it won't work. Tied me to this chair plenty tight. I can't budge. I guess I'm a goner. Holy smoke. The eyes of the mechanical man are lit up. That means he's ready to work. He, he's starting to walk. Straight across the table toward, toward the gun. Oh, yeah. got to get out of this chair. I, I just got to. I can only throw my body around it and move the chair. No. You're too heavy. Can't budget. Getting closer to that rifle. Superman. Only if he's gonna help me, he better do it quick. He's never failed me before, but mechanical man has stopped. He's standing right next to the trigger of that rifle. He's leaning down toward the trigger. His, his hand is moving toward it. He's gonna pull it. Just in time, I think, Jimmy. Superman. Oh, I knew it. I knew you'd save me. Oh, God. A little close for comfort, Jim. Thank heaven I made it in time to catch that bullet. 
Here, let me get those ropes off you. How in the world did you find me? Well, your friend Clark Kent traced you here by means of that record the vulture sent him. He went to the company that makes home recording machines. Wait a minute now. There, your arms are free. Oh. But the files had been burned out. Well, how did he manage then? Well, his only remaining chance was to get in touch with a man who repairs such machines. He did, and as luck would have it, the man had repaired this one. Now, wait a minute. We're going to have you out of this. There we are. Oh, golly. Sure is good to stand up and... That door. The vulture's is coming back. So far as I'm concerned, that's just perfect. Where, where did you come you from? You filthy swine. Look out. The table. The mechanical man. It smashed a bit. Let me see. Quick. Hmm. Yes, that's too bad. Afraid it's smashed beyond repair. And the parts can't be replaced. Well, Jim, that's the end of the mechanical man, I'm afraid. I can't say I'm sorry. What do you mean? A mechanical man such as this is a powerful instrument. And as you've seen, Jim, the danger of this invention being used for evil purposes has been ever-present. Well, that danger's removed now. It'll never be used for evil again. And I'm glad. I guess you're right. Anyway, you've saved my life and captured the vulture. Yes, Jim, the vulture's our prisoner once again. And there's one thing this time that we've got to be sure of. What's that? We've got to make sure the vulture never escapes again. And so ended the adventure of the mechanical man. But that certainly didn't mean the end of adventures for Superman because at five o'clock the following morning, Clark Kent was roused from bed by the sound of a telephone ringing. Hello? Uh, Chief, that you? What in the world are you calling me at this hour for? Well, it's just five o'clock in the morning. Well, yes, but... Wait a minute. Get down to the office right away. Well, what on earth for? You pack bags? With clothes for sub-zero weather? Well, now, yes, of course I'll be right down. But, Chief, what's this all about? What's up and where am I going? Hello? Hello? Hung up. Well, I better pack and get right down to the Daily Planet. I wonder what trouble we've got ourselves into now. Puzzled by Perry White's strange phone call, but sure a new adventure is beginning, Kent hurriedly packs warm clothing and rushes down to the Daily Planet office, his mind a-whirl with unanswered questions. In just a moment, we'll return to the adventures of Superman. But right now, here is another important message. Say, gang, I've told you how golden and tempting Kellogg's Pep looks and how crisp and crunchy and flavorsome Pep tastes. But the other day I got to thinking that I'd never told you why Pep is such a super breakfast cereal. So I found out from the Kellogg Company how Pep is made, and I can hardly wait to pass the story along to you. You see, in the first place, the Kellogg people choose only extra-choice parts of sun-ripened wheat, so as to be sure you get every bit of that grand, flavorsome goodness. And then they carefully toast Pep till it comes out a lovely, tempting golden brown and so wonderfully light and crisp, you can hardly wait to pour on the milk and go to it. So be sure your mother gets you a package of Kellogg's Pep tomorrow. And remember... Pep, Pep, get in step. Make your cereal Kellogg's Pep. And now, back to Superman. What is the meaning of Editor White's early morning call for Ken to report for work at once? And why did Mr. White specify that Kent packed clothes for sub-zero weather? There's a new and very exciting adventure beginning for Superman tomorrow, so don't fail to tune in. And be with us every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, for the thrilling 
Adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Follow the adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is directed by George Lothar and is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. This is Mutual.